Robin and I got married in, in August, and uh, it, around November, we were beginning to plan our, our like, we realized we, we have one Christmas ornament. We never not thought about that, you know. We, we bought a Christmas ornament when we uh, went on our honeymoon, went to Crested Butte, Colorado, and, and, and we're sitting around thinking, oh, it's time to decorate for Christmas, and we don't have anything. So we lived in Ada at the time. We had about a 500-square-foot house, and so we go, we got to decorate this bad boy. So we sat down, and we made out a list, and we uh, said, okay, we're going to drive from Ada to Oklahoma City because for some reason we felt like we needed to go there to do shopping. They had Hobby Lobby in Oklahoma City, and so we thought, well, let's go to Hobby Lobby. And so we were very responsible. We made our list out, and, and then on the way there, we talked about just all the things that we were going to get and, and different things. And so for some reason, we got to Hobby Lobby, and we, we each got a shopping cart because we had some work to do, you know. So, so we split up, and, and we uh, each had part of our list. And, and as I'm walking through the store, it dawned on me, oh, my goodness, we did not talk about the top to the Christmas tree because, you know, and so I thought back through the history of my life and, and you know, the wall heritage that has been passed down since the time of Jesus. And, and, we, uh, and, and we would gather around our Christmas tree and on top was this beautiful angel. And I thought, perfect. I mean, you know, so I, I go, we didn't talk about that. So I'm going to get the angel on top of the Christmas tree. And, and I'm so proud of myself. I'm thinking to myself, you know what? When Robin sees this, she's probably going to say to me, let's go to aisle three and make out because that is such an awesome, you thought of that. And this is what goes on in the minds of guys, you know, when, when we are um, doing things. Um, and, uh, um, and so I get to the front and we get to the register with both of our carts. And I said, hey, babe, I got the top to the Christmas tree. And she goes, and I held up my angel, this beautiful angel. And, and she goes, oh, well, sweetheart, I got the top to the Christmas tree. And she holds up a star. And we're standing at me and Robin and the checkout lady at Hobby Lobby going, what? You, you? And I'm thinking to myself, who puts a star on top of the Christmas tree? I mean, that's not in the Bible anywhere. And, and I'm thinking, I'm having this crisis moment. And Robin's looking at me like, angel, what, what are you thinking? I mean, this didn't come out in marriage counseling. This was not something that we had been prepared for. And, and we're having this crisis moment. And so we had to make a decision. And the lady, the checker at Hobby Lobby, she's just witnessing this whole thing you know, dilemma. And, and guess what we ended up with, right? I mean, if some of you heard this story before, guess what we ended up with? Hey, I'm the man of the house. And so I was like, honey, I'm your spiritual leader, and I think a star would be outstanding for the top of our Christmas tree. And, uh, and so thank, and that, that stinking thing lasted for like 10 years. So I was, I was then we, we finally got an angel 10, 10 or 12 years later. I don't know. But, but you know, it was this, this moment of, of marriage and this expectation that we had. And, 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 you know, all through our journey, there have been moments in our marriage when our expectations weren't, weren't lived out, like, like our expectations were broken. I had an idea of how things were supposed to go, and, and it didn't go that way. And she had an idea of how things were supposed to go, and it didn't go that way. And, and some of those issues have been, you know, star or angel on the Christmas tree. It's not that big a deal, but some have been a big deal. You know, we've been in the series hovering over 
uh, Matthew 19 and Mark chapter 10, and, and it's this encounter in the life of Jesus, and, and we're kind of hovering over these two passages. Normally, we kind of break down a text and go verse by verse for the most part, but, but we've kind of taken a break from that and just kind of hovered over this issue of marriage and divorce, and, and we've been kind of tackling this. It's been pretty heavy. For, for us, it's not, and, and, and what I want us to do over the next several weeks, we started last week where we're really going to dig into what this oneness looks like, what, what Jesus was really talking about. Now, now when, it was interesting because when he was confronted by the Pharisees to, to nail him down on the issue of divorce, what he does is he points to God's vision for marriage. And this is important for us. Now, if you have your notes, I'd love you to follow along. Now, this first little blank there, it's in your notes, is this, that Communication is critical for oneness in a covenant marriage. That, that we've, in your marriages, you've got to learn to communicate, and communication is critical. And, and there are some things that you, uh, you face, some issues that you face when your expectations are shattered, and they aren't that big a deal. But there are some issues that you've got to come together and, and work things out. I mean, Robin and I in front of Hobby Lobby had to work this out. And, and you know, there, are many mo- there have been many moments in our journey that we've just had to work it out. Now, there's a passage, Ephesians 5.21, Paul writes this, that, that we are to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, I want you to think about that, that, that our call in marriage is to submit to one another. That there are times that, that I've seen husbands that say, you know what? I'm the man, and you do what I say. But the reality is the relationship of husband and wife is this idea of mutual submission. Because here's what I've discovered in my journey of marriage, that that God has used Robin in my life in in incredible ways. And and there have been times that God has used her to speak to me. And, And I better be listening. And vice versa, and that's been the, the case of our, of our marriage. Now, now, this series is important for us because if you're here today and you're, you're in, the, in the ups and downs of marriage, it's important that you learn to communicate. And that's what we're going to deal with today. Maybe you're here today and you, you are single. Maybe you've, you've been through a divorce. And like we've looked at, you are one of those with the freedom to remarry. And and if that's the case, God may be preparing to bring someone in your life. And so even though this has been a maybe a difficult series for you, as we as you many in our church have faced the reality of their of the loss of their marriage recently. But but the reality is God may be preparing you down the road to bring someone into your life. It's important that you have a biblical vision of marriage. Maybe you're you're a widow or a widowed and, and you've seen your your spouse go to heaven, you've helped them go to heaven, but you're still influencing grandkids and kids. And, and it's important that you have a biblical vision for marriage. I think about our teenagers that are here and how, how critical it is for, for them as young people to develop a biblical view of marriage. And this is what Jesus expects of us. And this is what Jesus calls us to do. And this is why I think it's important that we look deeply into Scripture and, and what we're going to do is, as we hover over this passage today, is we're going to look deeply into what it means to hold fast to your wife, men, and for a woman to be held fast to. So would you stand together and let's read Mark chapter 10, 1 through 12. And we'll read the whole passage, but then we're going to focus in on really 6 through 9. But, and he left there and went to the region of Judea and beyond the Jordan, and crowds gathered to him again. And again, as was his custom, 
he taught them. And the Pharisees came up and in order to test him asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? And he answered them, what did Moses command you? And they said, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of divorce and to send her away. And Jesus said to them, because of your hardness of heart, he wrote this commandment. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate." And in the house of the disciples, asked him again about this matter. And he said to them, whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, now we've... One of the books that I've read in preparation for the series is a book that we are studying on Wednesday nights, and I would love for you to, to jump in on that. And uh, it's a book called The Meaning of Marriage by Tim Keller, and you ought to go get it. You ought, to, you ought to get this book. It's one of the best books on marriage that I've ever seen. And one of the ideas that, that is critical in this book, and, it, and he just bought it, borrowed it from Scripture, is that marriage is a covenant relationship. It's not a contract and in, in many ways, we have moved in our culture to a consumeristic vision of marriage, where, where marriage is, is disposable. As long as you meet my needs, then, then I'll stay with you. But as soon as you stop meeting my needs, then you know what, I'm going to trade you in for another version or, or, or an upgrade or something like that. But that's not God's plan for marriage. And what Jesus does here is as he was confronted with the question of divorce, he gives this vision of what God, how God sees marriage. And this is important for us. You know, in this book, Tim Keller writes about the, the divorce rate today. He says it's about 50%, a little over 50%. I went to a wedding last night of a kid that I poured my life into, and I watched him get married. And, and you know, uh, if statistics are true, half of the weddings that we go to will end in divorce. You know, what's interesting, in 1960, the divorce rate was half that. I mean, think about that. In 1960... The divorce rate was half of 50%. In, um, in 1960, 75% of U.S. adults were married. Today, it's less than 50%. In uh, 1960, the percentage of people who cohabited, meaning just lived together, uh, that was not even a statistic that was measurable. But uh, listen to this. Today, one-fourth of all unmarried women ages 25 to 40 are living with a man. Over half of all women in their 20s to 40s will cohabit at some point in their journey. Now think about that. In the 60s, that wasn't even a, a measurable statistic. Uh, you know, these statistics show this, these assumptions that, that it, it, it assumes that most marriages are unhappy. You know, th this is what it assumes, it assumes that, that living together before you're married is a great plan. And, and that's what these statistics assume. It, it says, like the eHarmony uh, uh, slogan that you need to look for your soulmate, that one, that one person that is your soulmate that is perfect for you. But, you know, here's what the statistics reveal, though. That, though, in general, that those who live together together, 
before they're married are more likely to divorce. This is not a preacher statistic that they made up. This is proven statistical research that, that, that articulates this. It says, in, in general, the earlier sex is introduced into a relationship, the more likely that relationship will break up. Um, and then this statistic, two-thirds of all marriages who are unhappy now would move to happiness if they stayed together. You know, they would, they would move to happiness within five years, it says, if they stay together. And so what's interesting is, is we've got to come back to God's plan for marriage, that, that sometimes we want out too quick. And Jesus, what he does is he says, no, I want you to see God's plan. Look at verse 6. He says, but from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. And from the very beginning, God created this. And, and marriage was God's plan for, from the beginning. And what's interesting about creation, if you look at the creation account, there's one thing in creation that God said, this is not good. And that was Adam's aloneness. And what's interesting about that is, think about it, Adam had this kind of relationship with God that, that we have never known as human beings, and we will never know as human beings, because Adam would say, hey, God, uh, what about this? And God would, would physically interact with him. Do you know that, that if God physically showed up in this room, that all of us would, would die? Not because, because of the holiness of God. That's what we, why we would die. Remember Moses when he said, God, I want to see you. And, and, and God said, you can't. You can't see me. So what did, what did God do? He hid Moses behind the rock, and then he passed by and, and got a very good glimpse of Mo Moses. just got a glimpse, but he was hidden by God. And, and his face was so, um, his life was so impacted that when he went down the mountain, his face was literally glowing because of the glory of God. Adam had this relationship with God that it was up close and personal. He could talk to him. He fellowshiped with him like no other human being on the earth. And yet God said, you know what, Adam, it's not good that you're alone. So what did he do? He created a helper, a helper for him. And that moment, can you imagine being there, that moment that Adam saw Eve? I mean, he had, he had seen the couples of animals and named them. And then he sees Eve and he's like, yeah, I like that one. That one, because God said this is good, and, and he created um, Eve for him. Now, we have an aloneness problem. Now, um, I want you to know what God has done for us to help with this aloneness problem. He's given us three things, I think, that for our aloneness problem. One is, is he's given us the, the, our families. Families help us not be alone. He's given us marriage, and, and marriage is, is a gift that, that, that we can live life with somebody. We need to live life with somebody. He's also given us the church. He's given us the gift of one another. This is why we can't just uh, be distant here. And, and there's a trend in our culture that, that church is like going to the movies, that I'm just going to go in, see a good show, and leave and do that every week and be challenged and encouraged. But, but, but we forget that we need, we need one another. We need to know one another, and, and you need to be known, and, and, and we need to live life together. We've got to help one another. And so our aloneness problem is, is, is something God has solved for us. And marriage is one of them. Look at verse 7. He says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. Now, now, this is a concept that I pray we understand. It's like the hurricanes that we saw. I watched a reporter uh, this week, and, and, you know, we were Rob and I were laughing at the news. It was like nonstop going, it's windy, 
Yep, it's raining. It's windy. Really windy. And it's like that was a constant message that we were hearing. But there was one, one reporter that was in this 135-mile-an-hour wind, and, 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 the, and he was holding on to a, to a pole giving his report because he needed to hold something solid because it was windy. And you saw those branches, and, and they, were, they were holding fast to the trees. And, and that's the picture I get when it comes to marriage, that, that there have been times that I've had to hold fast to Robin like that because we've been in a storm. We've been going through a tough time. And see, what happens is that it's this picture that when, when struggles happen, that couples got to come to Jesus, come to the only thing that's solid, just like that reporter was holding on to something firmly established so he wouldn't be blown away. And this is why Jesus said in, in Matthew chapter 7 that if you, if you hear these words of mine and you put them into practice, you're like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rains come, the winds blew, it beat against that house, but it did not fall. Because your life and your, your, your marriage is built, your family is built on the rock of Jesus. And this is why we need to learn to be a people that say, God, we will hear your word. We will follow you. We will recognize false teaching when we see it. And we will hold fast to one another. And that's what he says. A man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. In verse 8, and the two will become one flesh. Right before my eyes, Clyde and Bear last night, we watched them go from two to one. It was this, this supernatural moment of right before our eyes, this, this new family was, was, was birthed into one. And it was a beautiful picture. And, and he says, the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let man not separate. Now let's look deeply into this. Now point number one today, if, and I hope you follow along, that, that when, when we're, if we're going to hold fast to our wives, we've got to learn to communicate. That's the foundation of today. And so part of that communication is, is adjusting. We've got to adjust and accept the inevitable changes of, of our spouse. You know, you've got to adjust to the changes that, 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 that are made in the life of your spouse. Adjust in the, to the changes that are made in, in your life. You've got to accept these changes. You know, you're going to change. You are, we are all broken people. I walked into my marriage broken I walk, walked into my marriage selfish, naturally selfish, naturally wanting to do my own way. And that, that moment, I've told that story countless times and to you, and, and if you've been, known me very long, you've known that story about, the, about the, the, the angel or the star. But see, we've had to communicate and, and adjust to our backgrounds and our differences. And, and I naturally want to say, no, I want it my way in my marriage. But I've been in this journey of learning to submit and say, you know what, let's, let's figure it out together. Let's come together. Let's adjust. You know, um, I've said this over and over again that, that Robin has seen me at my very, very best and my very, very worst. And there's this false idea in our culture that we've got to just call out that the eHarmony um, uh, slogan of you've got a soulmate, you've got someone that, that, is, that is perfect for you. No, I, I have some characteristics, but, but you know what? I, I, I'm sinful. I'm not perfect for Robin. 
I'm, I'm a broken person. You are too. You were broken in our marriage. And, 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 and you know what? When I got married, that highlighted my brokenness and my selfishness. We were dating. I was like, I mean, my mom was like, Chris, don't mess this up. You know, do not mess this up with Robin. She's from the north side. I was from the south side. She, I'm not going to tell you exactly what she told me because Robin would absolutely kill me if I told you this. But uh, you can ask me later and I'll tell you. And then you'll go, oh, that's why you didn't tell it in church. But, um, but uh, you know, she was like, don't mess this up. And for a long time, I was putting on my, my, my good face. I made sure I had deodorant on. I would, you know, fix my hair, you know. But then when I got married, I had bad breath in the mornings. I you know, I can't hide my brokenness, my failures. But I've learned that there's power in choosing one another through the best and the worst. See, that marriage is this picture of Jesus. I mean, the reason God established marriage is this picture of Christ and the church. That's the picture of marriage. It's, it's this picture of complete forgiveness and acceptance no matter your failures. And I want us to recognize there is power in someone choosing you and you choosing someone through the best and the worst. There's power in that. And, and I hear people all the time say, you know what? Uh, there's someone better. I know all the flaws in that person. And I want you to hear this. That someone better is the person you married. That, that is who, that's, that, that someone better is the one you already have. And we have this tendency in our, in our, in our humanness to, to say, I'm discontent with my life. I'm discontent with my choices. And, and you know what? We have enough. You've been blessed. If, if God has joined you together with your spouse. And sometimes we forget that. I've had men sit in my office and go, you know what? Um, I, I made a mistake marrying her. And then I go to the Bible and say, no, no, God joined you together. I mean, they, I, I, they, they tell me about their kids and, the, and all these things. And I'm like, no, God brought you together. God did that. We forget that sometimes. And we got to not forget that, that we're in a covenant that God is at work. God has brought us together. And, and I love this quote by, by Stanley Hauerwas. I think it's going to be on the screen. But, but he says, we never know whom we marry. We just think we do. Or even if we first marry the right person, just give it a while and he or she will change. For marriage, being the enormous thing it is, means we are not the same person after we have entered it. The primary problem is learning how to love and care for the stranger to whom you find yourself married. And that's in a book called Sex and Politics. And, and it's one of the books that Tim Keller quotes. And, and, and I, I love that quote because, you know, sometimes if you've ever looked at your spouse and go, who are you? I mean, I'll be honest with you, last night, uh, I don't understand women. I don't. Because we're, we're at this wedding and we've driven there and women's shoes are the worst thing I've ever seen in all my life. And, and we're walking into this wedding, and Robin's like, oh, this, this, we're walking, it's outside at the Harn Homestead, and it's a farm, and, and she's got these really beautiful high heels on. And she's like, hold my arm, you know, and we're like, I'm like, why do you wear those? I don't get it. And she's like, but they look so pretty with my dress. I'm like, super. And she's like, and then finally, I was like, take them off. You know, I can't take them off. And so finally, we're walking to the car, and she is miserable. 
She's miserable. I've been miserable all night. And she's like, I got to take them off. I'm like, good, take them off. I'll carry them for you. You know, I don't get it. You know? But the reality is, uh, I don't know why I told that story. Well, I, was, I, was going, I just got into it. But um, that's so funny. Sorry. Um, um, I'm sure I had a really great point for that, but it was, you're broken. You change. <laughs> and uh, so, it's so funny, though, that we sometimes will choose not to adjust. We'll choose to think, man, the grass is greener on the other side of the fence. Can I just tell you, no, it's not. It is not. Point number two. When I think about becoming one and, and when I think about communicating, and, and we're going we're gonna to kind of unpack these over the next couple of weeks, and we're going to look deeply into this. When, when I think about holding fast to my wife and, and accepting her no matter what, and, and, and I think about the things that I need to communicate, we've got to adjust to life together. We've got to adjust to our changes. But you know what else we have to do? We've got to talk through the spiritual needs in our home. You know, it's, it's, it's fascinating to me. I meet people all the time that will neglect the most important thing in life, which are spiritual things. And I think about in my own marriage how, how I've, I, we've learned in our journey to, to talk through the spiritual things. We've got we to not buy into this lie that, that spiritual activity is just coming to go through actions or, or go, go to events. But spiritual life is, is the core of who we are. And, and when I think about my own house, I, when I think about holding fast to my wife and becoming one, do you know where that begins? That begins with establishing a growing relationship with Christ. Now, I want to ask you, are, do you right now have this growing relationship with Christ? Because sometimes I want to point out the flaws in, in my wife or in and in, in, and I want to point out the flaws in somebody else why, while ignoring the flaws in my own. It's like that, um, I'll be honest with you, the struggle that I've had this week. I have, I have come face to face with three key people in my life that, that I have seen walk away from the Lord. Face to face. Last night there was a, a guy, I'm just brokenhearted all day. I've, I've, ever since I heard this last night, that, that one of my guys I poured into has turned back to a life of drugs and left his wife. And, and all the, I'm like, oh my goodness. I, mean, I poured my life. I was, I was talking to him about coming and sharing his testimony in our church. And I found out last night he's bailed. I'm like, oh my goodness. When I think about as I've confronted these things and I've looked at these flaws in these people that I've loved, God keeps saying, well, Chris, hey, you got some in your life too. And I've had to be careful of not just looking at these brothers and, and be honest with them, but, but not just say, hey, look at your sin, but forgetting my own. You know, we got we to have a growing relationship with Christ and I've found that when I have that in my own life, and I, I don't worry about Robin's relationship with Christ, but I say, Lord, I want to walk with you today. Boy, that, that shapes my whole marriage, my whole family. 
And so this is something I, I want you to know. One of your greatest spiritual needs is that relationship with Christ. And maybe you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior. That's why the other day when um, I, I was asked to uh, preach a wedding for a couple, and, and I found out one of them wasn't a believer. And I was like, hey, man, well, I put the marriage stuff aside, and I said, okay, I'm going to do whatever I can to persuade you to follow Christ. And, and you know, and I, I tried to, you know, and I said to him, Look, I want, I, can't, I want you to know Jesus because you've got to have a relationship with Christ or you're not going to have a good marriage. And I'm not going to marry you if you don't do this. If, if you don't, if you, I can't marry a believer and an unbeliever. I can't do it. Biblically, I can't do it. So I want you to know in your own life, in your own marriage, how is your walk with the Lord? Are you, do you have a growing relationship with Christ? You know, we, we've got an also, uh, when, when I think about my communicating my spiritual needs, there, there are oftentimes I'll, I'll say to Robin, hey, here's something God said to me, or, or, or here's something that, that the Lord's doing in my life. But, but not only do I talk to her about it, I've got to constantly ma- monitor my spiritual temperature. How do you monitor your spiritual temperature? Or if, you, if, if I asked you, take your spiritual temperature right now, would you know what to do? You know, I think this is important in our marriages, in our, in our communication of let's take our spiritual temperature. Let's see how we're doing. You know, test yourself. Here's how you do it. Test yourself by the fruit of the Spirit. What is the fruit of the Spirit? Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, goodness. Against such things there is no law. And so I think it's a good habit for us in our marriages to say, hey, look, let's communicate about this. Hey, honey, and there have been times that Robin has said, hey, look, how's your love? How's your joy? How's your patience, your kindness? You know, you know this, this is why marriage is such a beautiful uh, um, platform of, of accountability in our lives because I can't hide from her. I mean, I can fake people out. And we're all good at faking people out. But she sees me. And, and I think it's important for us to, to talk through and work through the spiritual needs in our home and, and, and think about what is my spiritual temperature, what is... Um, how am I doing this? Number three, today, when I think about communicating in our, in our family, we've got to identify your key social distractions. I mean, we have crazy social distractions right now. When I, when I think about the, the, there are so many people with no biblical community influence. And this is why I want to plead with us to, we've got to make sure that we are a church that, that is in one another's lives. That we are together, we, we, that we come here and we are known by one another. There's a temptation, I want to go to a church where I'm not known, where I can just slip in and slip out. That's not church. That's not the plan for God's people. We're to, we're to sharpen one another like iron sharpens iron. We are to, to spur one another on towards love and good deeds, Hebrews says. And, and this is what church is. But we've kind of gotten used to this this, oh, well, hey, I don't want anybody in my business. But the reality is we are called to be in one another's business. And so this is important in our marriages because, because I know so many couples that are going through very difficult times and they are keeping it to themselves because there's no biblical community. 
You know, sometimes we have our schedule that's out of control. I mean, goodness gracious, our schedule? We, we've got to lead our schedule. I mean, I, I, I think about there was a couple that were some of my very best youth workers that I ever knew. I mean, they taught Sunday school in our youth ministry in Oklahoma City. were amazing. Their whole life surrounded around their kids. And just a few, about a year and a half ago, we, our families went on a cruise. And I saw his wife. And she, I, I, right after they, their kids graduated, they divorced. Because they were like, we don't have anything in common. Our whole life surrounded around our kids' schedule. And, and, and around our kids, and that was an idol. And then they, they let that slip into their marriage. I'll tell you what, we, we got a vision for that this summer. As Robin and I realized, man, our kids are almost gone. I know some of you are like, thank the Lord, you're going to love it. You know, maybe so. But we're sad about it. Our whole world is going to change. Now, I want you to see that you got to manage your schedule. Bottom line is this, that we have all these distractions. And you know what God is saying to us? we got to come back and hold fast to our marriages. we got to hold fast to one another. We've got we've to not have this, this, this consumeristic mindset that, that, you know what? I'm ready to trade up, trade in. No. We've made a covenant. And this is what I pray we get. This is what I pray we catch. Let me tell you something. God is calling us to, here, here's what has happened right in front of our eyes. Our culture has become more influential in our lives than our Savior. And it's time that we, we, we as a church say, no more. No more. We're, we're, we're going to allow God, you will have our ear. You will have our hearts. You will direct our lives. And I want you to know, if you're here today and your marriage is about to tank, there's help around you. If you're a single here and you're, you're going, man, how can I make it? There is help here. You know, if you're one of those that are like, man, my, my life's struggling, my, my family's falling apart, there's help here. You don't have to stay hidden. Now, you don't have to come up here and broadcast it to everybody. But I want you to know there's help. That's why we're a church. And so can we just become a church that, that doesn't quench the Spirit of God? And a, pe- and a people that says, look, we're not trying to put on some false face, but we are a people that need the Lord and we need one another. I pray that God rescues our marriages. I pray that we're a people that, that recognize, God, your plan is the best plan. And we will follow you. And that's what I want to plead with us. Let's be a people that say, God, we will follow you. We'll know your word. You know, we're going to have an invitation. And I believe that every, every time the word is preached, that we should have an invitation. Because we're invited, I believe. Not, you're not coming to me. Um, God is calling us to move and to respond to his voice. And maybe you need to come and pray with your spouse. 
Maybe you, there's some singles here that, that you need to come and pray for God, God to help you. Maybe you walked in the door today and when we took the Lord's Supper, you're like, man, I've been away. Man, God doesn't turn you. God's brought you here. Not for you to come to him and him to reject you. He's brought you here because he's drawing you. And, he, and the Savior is so faithful. Every time we have walked away, he's faithful to draw us back to him.